Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Everybody doing well? Well, in a minute, we're going to start what will be known from here on out as my new favorite series. And so if you haven't been around Journey very long, that's every series we do here at Journey is my new favorite series. Um, But I just want to take a minute, and um, especially if you didn't get a chance to see the video before the service, I would encourage you to get online. It kind of chronicled 17 years of ministry, and it's hard to believe. Um, Not just did I look skinny and have lots of hair or more hair. Um, We had no clue what we were doing, y'all. And we did it anyway. And God's good, isn't he? And so I want to do something real fast. I don't think they can all hear you. But I want you to give a, just a huge round of applause for all the hard workers that make this thing go every week, week after week, all the volunteers in children's ministry. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And we had a special treat. I don't know if you've noticed it, but maybe you noticed we had two people on our stage that we don't normally have on our stage. And we're honored today to have our worship leaders from our Sherwood campus here today. And so that was Greg and Whitney, and then Macy was on this side, so it's good to have them. And we are live all day long in our Sherwood campus because we're celebrating our 17th. And so we want to welcome. Let's give a big warm welcome to our Sherwood campus. That's awesome. So, so today we're starting this. Um, you can stop clapping now. Um, today we're starting this brand new series, and it's a really good one. It's called Unmasked. And what's really cool about this series, to be honest with you, it's not a political statement, by the way. So it's not what you think. Like We're not going to go, okay, everybody at Journey, we're never wearing masks. No, that's not it. But um, what's really cool about this is we call it an all-in here. And we, we want to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus. And that means we want to engage adults. We want to engage teenagers. We want to engage, uh, engage students and children and all that. And so this is an all-in. So right now, over in children's ministry, Brian and Megan and their teams are teaching the same exact thing or really close to what we're talking about today. So you guys will be able to go home today if you have kids and have table talk and go, what did you learn? And so they're gonna talk a little bit about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I saw the little kids. How many people have little kids, downtown kids? They have a really cool little thing that they make. So just like love on them and go, that's the coolest thing ever. And even if they can't pronounce the three names right, just give them all the applause they can possibly get, right? So they're doing it. And then on Wednesday nights, we'll have about 200 students and leaders going through the same thing here. And so it's one of those exciting times. I love all ends, but we're going to talk about this concept of unmasked. And it's funny, a couple of weeks ago, um, Jocelyn Donnelly, who's our creative director, was walking one way down the hall and I was walking down the other way. And she stopped me right in the middle and she goes, I just want you to know that I'm smiling underneath my mask. Has anybody heard that? Because you can't figure out if somebody's smiling or not. Like you look at people's eyes and, and here's what's really bad. And all my glasses, friends, my eye challenge, you know, can't see right. Like not only can't we breathe, we can't see either because it fogs up, right? But you know what's amazing to me is how this little mask, maybe figuratively, it covers up a lot of stuff on the inside of us too, doesn't it? Like some of us, Maybe smiling, even when we take the mask off, but deep down inside, there's not a lot to smile about. Maybe there's some struggles. Maybe there's some problems. Maybe there's some tensions in your life that are leading you not to. So, so you know, you, you're not able to smile. And maybe it looks more like this on the inside, but you're not going to let anybody ever see the real mask. And so it's one of those deals. And there's some of us, honestly, some of us are angry and frustrated and confused, and I don't even know how to draw that, so I just drew the quickly line. That's one of those deals where... It started making me think, when you guys get home today, those of you that are mask wearers, 
And I know a lot of the stores are making us wear masks. So when you get into your car or when you get home and that mask can come off, you take it off, right? Like, does anybody walk around their house with their mask on? No, of course not. It'd be ridiculous. And it just made me think about this. What if we took our masks off in real life? Not just the mask, this, this, this piece of paper mask, but the masks that we hide the true stuff from other people. And what would, what would happen if we did that? And especially in one area, and it's one area that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. And it's, it's this, and, and just think through this. What are you like when you're all by yourself? When the mask comes off and you're sitting at home and there's nobody looking at you, what are you like? Or maybe it's in the dark of a moment, maybe in your cubicle at work, or maybe your drive to work, or whatever it looks like. When you take the mask off that everybody thinks that everything is fine, what do they see on the inside? And specifically in this area, who are you when no one else is looking? When nobody else is able to see you, or or, or nobody else is able to kind of view how, how you are, what's going on inside of you? And whatever's going on inside of you, there's a word that's consistent and consists of everything that's going on inside of us, one way or another, and it's the word integrity. Who are we when no one else is looking, when no one else is at the house, when no one else is in the car? Are we the same person in public? So when you go to school tomorrow, are you the same person in the lunchroom or in your classroom that you are when you're around church or JSM? How about as adults? Are we the same person when we get to work? Are we the same way we are in church? It's, hey, brother, how you doing? Love Jesus. And then you walk out there and you're a totally different person. I used to say it like this. Anybody remember Play-Doh? Play-Doh, the stuff that you can form things. What I, what I found out over the years, 30 years of being in ministry, 30 years of people that become, have become Play-Doh Christians, that they're, they're one thing in church and then the world molds them into something else when they get out into the world. That's, in, like, that's integrity. So what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks, we're going to continue to break it down. We're going to peel back the onion and we're going to take a look at different aspects of integrity. And it's interesting because I've looked all through the Bible And I found out there's lots of people in the Bible that are just like people that walk this planet now, probably people to go to journey, that sometimes we do really good with integrity. Sometimes we're rock on it, right? Like like I'm all over integrity. And there's other times where I struggle with it. And I've thought about characters like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that's one of the first characters we're going to look at today. But at the end of this message, we're going to start looking at a character named David. And David's one a lot like us that struggled with his integrity, right? He was one way. When all the soldiers were around him, he was another way when he was sitting there by himself looking at a naked woman in a bathtub. Integrity. So what are you? That's the question I want to answer and try to continue to bring up. That's the tension I want to kind of pull out of us. So who are you? So let's go to Daniel for a second. Daniel's a character. Anybody ever heard of Daniel? And it's okay if you haven't because I'm going to give you the brief of Daniel. But who has not, who has heard of Daniel? Who has heard of Daniel? Okay, so a lot of us, a lot of us don't. Daniel is way more than the lion's den. Y'all know that, right? So in the first couple books of Daniel, what happens is the nation of Israel, in a time of um, disobedience again, is being held captive. The Babylonians came in. King Nebuchadnezzar takes them all slave. He takes the youngest boys, the 16s, the 17s, the 18-year-olds, and he takes them and puts them in their private little schooling for three years. They have to eat everything that all the uh, Babylonians eat. They have to do all the things the Babylonians do. They're learning all the, 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 what the Babylonians learn, I mean, uh, literature and all that kind of stuff. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to wean out the very best because Nebuchadnezzar wants to use them as his dominant fighting force in the world. So when he takes over and overpowers another country, he wants to have this huge army. So we see Daniel in this, in this situation. 
Now, one of the things we see with Nebuchadnezzar, he recruits these captives. This is what he was looking for. Daniel chapter one, verse four. He says, youths without blemish, good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and language of the Chaldeans. So he's looking for the best of the best. And so then he changes, and it's interesting as he changes their names. And he, this is what he does in verse 6. He says, among these were Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azara, the tribe of Judah. And he says, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. And it's interesting to me, I don't think they ever expected that to happen. And in the world that they're living in, they thought they were just going to be held captive. But now Nebuchadnezzar is trying to steal their identity also. And it's interesting to me in the world that we're living in, that the world is trying to steal. If you're a believer, they're trying to steal our identity. They're trying to shut churches down. They're trying to tell us how to do certain things. This is how you're going to do them. What's interesting about these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then Daniel, is their identity was changed, but their identity was never lost. Their, their names were changed. They tried to change everything about them, but they were still, in fact, who they were. And it's interesting because now the king, Nebuchadnezzar, brings them in and wants them to eat the finest foods at his table. Now you're saying, well, that sounds pretty good, right? He's probably got a rack of lamb over there. It's like the world's biggest Sunday go to church after chicken eaten fish fry you've ever been. I mean, the table is packed to the gills with stuff. And you would think that a lot of us, I, 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 I know I would, I'd be all over that, that buffet table. There's a problem though. These things that were on this table were sacrificed to idols. They were sacrificed to Baal. So to other gods, and, and, and Daniel and, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego knew that it would go against everything that they believed. You're starting to see the integrity thing going on here? And here's a really interesting thing. Nobody else would have never known. There's not a single person out of the four of them would have ever known if they ate of that food, but they would have known. They would have known that that wasn't what God would want them to do, that those things were peeled out for somebody else, another God. So they're at the king's table. He changes their name. There's a problem that arises. And the problem is, are they going to eat it or are they not going to eat it? A decision has to be made. Now, let me put pause for a second. If you were put in this situation, what would you do? How would you handle that? You're at the king's table. You're held captive. All this food's there. But you know one little detail that nobody else knows. That the food at the table was set apart for false gods. What are you doing? Are you eating it? I would venture to say that most people would say yes. Who are you when nobody else is looking? When you have a decision to make at your workplace, when you have a decision to make at school, that integrity is being questioned. How do you handle that? When nobody else is even viewing, nobody else is seeing the situation go on. Decision made. This is what? Islam. He goes to the garden. He says, how about if me, this is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, for 10 days, eat nothing but vegetables, and we drink nothing but water. You guys can have all the finest food, all the nourishment. You let me do this. We're going to fast on this stuff right here. And at the end of 10 days, if we're not as fit, you choose. If we're not as capable, if we're not as strong, you choose what you want to do with us. So 10 days, 10 days happens. He says, test your servant for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who are eating king's food be observed. And you deal with your servants according to what you see. At the end of 10 days, the guard looks at him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel are more fit and stronger. This is what I'm going to get. 
Who would really know if they decided to cheat? They would. And that's the most important person. And that's integrity. I'm not worried about cheating you. I'm not worried about cheating the government. I'm not worried about cheating somebody down the street. I'm not worried about cheating the person at Publix or McDonald's. I'm worried about cheating me. Because when my relationship with God is broken, it's broken. And I'm the only one that can take credit or responsibility for that. So in the midst of all this, Daniel says, you know something? We're not going to cheat our God. How would you handle this? See, this is what I've, I, I firmly believe. True identity of integrity is found in what you do when no one else is looking. When nobody else is seeing it. When nobody else is visualizing, when nobody's on top of you, when your boss isn't looking over your shoulder and you're working on your expense account, that's when integrity, that's the true identity of integrity. And so the, the month of October, we're going to deal with this. Your kids are going to deal with this. Our students are going to deal with this. And King David is a character I want to look at today because King David has the problem with Bathsheba and a lack of character. But on the other side, he writes some of the greatest words of scripture about how to uh, stay connected with God and be a person of integrity. As a matter of fact, if you look at Psalms 119, the first few verses, this is what he says. This is the way to be connected. This is the way to maintain integrity. He says, blameless are those whose way is blameless, or blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the, catch this, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimony, who seek him with a whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You catch this? This is integrity. This is what integrity looks like. This is the definition for it. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, that I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. You catch that? That's a, that's a, that's a definition. That's an ingredient. That's a special sauce for integrity right there. Over and over again, he says, when we stay connected to the Father through his word, that we become people of integrity, that we become blameless. Integrity, and I want you to get this, integrity takes intentionality. So many people think, yo, I'm just a person of integrity. No, you're not. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We are all sinners by birth and by choice, whether you like it or not. No amens to that, is there? Let me prove it. How many people have ever stole anything? How many people have ever said a dirty word? You said a cuss word. How many people have ever looked at somebody and thought ugly of them? The rest of you are liars, so raise your hands up. This is a jacked up church, right? We have liars and thieves and backbiters and gossip, all that in this church. We are, we are sinners by birth through Adam and Eve, right? And by choice. We choose to do some of those things, don't we? We choose to look down on our neighbor. We choose to look down at our boss. We choose to talk about that person. We choose to cheat and take something that's not ours at times. We have a choice. It's our integrity. It's interesting because we don't want to take responsibility, and it takes intentionality to do this. I, was, I follow a pastor, and I'm not going to tell you his name, but I follow a pastor, and he posted something I was really kind of like dumbfounded. I was trying to get, like, what are you getting at here? And he posted, if in fact, and I, this is not a, like a Trump versus, you know, Biden thing, this is, not a, this is not a political like ploy or anything, but he says like, if in fact Trump does owe taxes, like if, he, his, if, if he's been invading taxes or whatever, I don't know the whole story, but if he's not paid his taxes forever and forever, however long that looks like, he said it's not his fault. Well, whose fault is it then? 
He, he just like, if, if you're not pulling that one, like IRS, it's not my fault. The guy's going, it's the Democrats' fault and the Republicans' fault because they have bad policies in place. I'm going, no, 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 no. It's my fault. If I get caught, I have to take responsibility. And that's the problem in the world we live in. Nobody takes responsibility anymore for their actions. That's why I say that, that, that integrity has to be intentional. We have to make sure that we put our integrity on every day. Just like we have to clothe ourselves with clothes. Every morning we have to get up. Sometimes we have to do it before we even get out of bed, don't we? Because our mind is racing, going places it shouldn't go. We have to put on our, te- our integrity. I-, I love what it says in verse 1. It says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimony. So not only you're blessed, but, you're, but, but God's going to do great things. Who seek him with a whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. See, this is what I've learned. The Bible, the Bible, God's word, the Bible, is, is more to me than just an inspiration and instruction. It gives me direction. It, it, it's a roadmap to get through life. It's, it's a roadmap how to connect to the Father. It helps me define uh, what's right and wrong. It, it helps me define. Anybody ever, ever had a decision of a right and wrong decision? Like, like I, I got to make these two decisions. And you go to God's word. Nobody's ever had to make a decision in this church. <laughs> this little light of mine. <laughs> Man, in my life, I, I told you guys about it a couple weeks ago. I woke up early, four o'clock one morning, getting ready for church. And I pull up my Facebook and there was something that, that was, it was negative about us. It was about you guys. It was about me. And, and I had a decision to make. And, and it was, it's, a, it's a hard decision. I told you what my decision was. I, 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 sent, I sent Will after them and told him to take care of it. Got you, got you, got you bro. But no, I, I decided instead of doing that, I was just going to pray. And it was interesting because later that afternoon, I was reading um, a devotion. It was, I, I didn't read it Sunday morning. I was reading it later on that afternoon, and I looked at it, and it said, don't fret when evil men come against you. And it says, your, your vengeance is found in me. I'm like, what? And I'm looking at it going, you mean, God, you're going to take care of this? Yeah. And so it gives me instruction and direction and inspiration in times of my life. It's, it's, it's amazing to me because there's times, there's been lots of times. Have, anybody read the Bible in our church? Just if you do read the Bible, just raise your hand. Good, that's perfect. You ever be reading the Bible and you read across the verse and all of a sudden you remember that you need to forgive somebody or they need to forgive you? Like when you get to the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive them, you know? <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? I got to forgive that person? You know, I'm convinced of this thing. You may have heard me say this before about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is holding somebody captive and that somebody's you. Bible, lead us and give us direction. Now, how about this? You ever, you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what steps to take? Maybe it was a relationship with, and you're getting God's word and all of a sudden God's, God, it, it comes to life to you. It's, all of a sudden it starts speaking to you. Or maybe, maybe it's a, you know, if I need to distance myself from a certain situation or distance, my, distance myself from a certain group of people, or maybe there's certain counsel that I need to be listened to. God's word takes me there. If you'll spend time in God's word day in and day out, it'll give you just the, the direction that you need to have. But not only that, this is the hard part, and I almost skipped this. After first service, I almost skipped it because, man, I could tell, like, tension was like, the Bible also gives us correction, doesn't it? Yeah. And we, we don't want, we, we, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It leads me where he wants me to go, but it also brings, brings, brings correction. When I'm being judgmental, it's amazing to me. When I'm being judgmental, 
it seems like every reading is about not being judgmental. When, when, when I'm having problems with intolerance, nobody has that problem in our church. Like when that group over there gets you mad and the first thing that comes, you know, is the Facebook slam, right? It's like, here it comes, social media slam. When I get to the, that point, I'm amazed at God's word, how it steers me back where I need to be. Or when I'm being unfair or, hey, how about this one? When I'm just being lazy, God's word starts to speak. Or maybe when I'm tempted to be or do something dishonest, God's word starts to speak or selfish. The more time you spend in the word, the more you understand yourself and the more you understand what you need to change about yourself. Did you hear me? Let me say that again. The more time you spend with the word, in the word, reading it, digesting it, studying it, the more you understand yourself and the more you understand what you need to change in your life, what I need to change in my life. It lights up. That's why 2 Timothy is so powerful. All scripture is breathed out, of, out by God and profitable. Watch this. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what God's word does. It leads us to a place where we can become right with him. And here's what I'm learning. And I can see some of you already going, oh, Pastor Bobby, that's not, I don't read God's word for that reason. I don't want to be correct. No, you know, some people read it for, see what they can get from God. It's all about the blessings, right? Y'all remember that, I think it was Daffy Duck. Anybody ever watched Daffy Duck? Daffy Duck was rubbed the genie's lamp. Y'all remember this one? And he's sitting on the pile of all the treasures going, mine, 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 mine. Do you know some people look at God that way? Like God's just this genie lamp that you can rub and you get all the blessings. You'll just, I'm going to get that Mercedes. I'm going to get that big old house and that job. I'm going to get that good looking spouse. And I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. that. Some people read God's word to pick apart those passages just so they can use those. There's some people that read the word, look for comfort, uh, confirmation that they're right and everybody else is wrong. Do you ever get in an argument with somebody? They go, it's right here. It's in hesitations right here. Hesitations chapter three. Do you know everything that you want to rebut that way? I can find another scripture to argue with you the other way. I can use this thing like a crowbar too. And so many people, that's what they're looking for is just use it as a crowbar. Or they're using it for their, whatever their ideology, whatever they think is true. They're going to, you know, well, Jesus was a Republican. It's right here. <laughs> Plain as day, he came to save the world. That's what Republicans do. Right? Wait a second. It's a Democrat right here. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. It says he, was, he loves aliens. Not from Mars, but maybe from Mexico. So he was a Democrat. Oh, I'm... Gretchen Shaw at journeycommunity.net. That's who you send him to, okay? You, here's why. It's the awkward laugh right now. Because you know I'm right. Because people use this however it fits them. That's not what God's word's for. God's word's not a tool to make you right or make you wrong. God's tool, here's the deal. You know what this, you know why I read this? Not to prove that he was a Republican or Democrat. That's why you don't hear me talk about it. Not that, not that, that this, this pandemic is right, or mask or no mask, and if you wear a mask, it's the sign of the beast. It's not the sign of the beast. You know why I read this? Because I want to have an encounter with God. Because I need God more than anything else I need in my life. 
And the only way I can connect with God is read the love pages in here about how he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for me. That's That's why we read this. So I can have an encounter with the heavenly father. When's the last time you did that? Because you know what that brings? Integrity. And you have to be intentional to do it. Psalms 19, 119. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their what? Whole heart. Everything that's in them. It has to be intentional. Let me give you the second thing. This is really, really important. Honesty is the starting point of integrity. I'm not talking about being honest with your spouse. I'm not talking about being honest with your kids or your employer. How about being honest with yourself? This morning, I had to do something that I do every morning. I brush my teeth, and I check my hair out. If you notice the pictures, I'm losing some of it. So I'm making sure I'm not losing more and more and more, and I'm brushing up. But I'm sitting there. So I look at that guy in the mirror, and I say, you know something? I have a choice today. You know what my choice is? To be a person of integrity or not. And at the end of the day, I look in that mirror again, and I go, was I a person of integrity? Did, was I, I have to be honest with myself. He says this in verse five. Oh, that my ways, not somebody else's ways, not, some, not, not my ways, that my ways would be steadfast in keeping your statues. That I, not, not, not somebody else, not my wife, not my spouse, not the government, that I shall not be put to shame. That is not as in being shamed, like shame on you. What that is, is embarrassed of your standing and what you've done. You ever been embarrassed of your actions? Did you ever look at yourself in the mirror and go, I can't believe I just did that? Seeking God through the pages of scripture will cause you to see things in yourself that you don't like. A couple years ago, I did a message. I, I was gonna do it. Kayla's been trying to do it. I don't, I don't wanna ruin it. He wants me to do it again. But I had a mirror on stage and I had an apple in my hand and I was talking about Adam and Eve. And, and most of us, were, but the story of Adam and Eve is that that Adam and Eve were deceived in the eating of the apple. When I took this apple and I stood about this far away and I had the, the mirror right there and I took the apple. I used to be a baseball player so I was pretty confident I could hit something from about two feet away. So I was good, right? So I throw the apple and the apple breaks and shatters the mirror. And I said, that's what sin did. It shattered because God would look at the mirror and he would see himself. When he was looking at me, he would see himself. But now because of sin, the image of God has been shattered in our lives. And we have to reconcile. That's why we need Jesus. By the way, that's why we need Jesus. Because he's the only one that can put the pieces of the puzzle or the piece of that mirror back together. When I look at God's scripture, when I look at the holy word, it leads me down a road to realize, I mean, we sing songs. What a wretch. I mean, like, I don't want you to walk around and go, I'm such a wretch. Because I'm saved by grace and now I'm a child of God. But you know, at some point I have to recognize that I have sinned and I've fallen away from the grace of God. And I need to be restored to that place. And sometimes those revelations can be incredibly painful, the things that he exposes in my life. I realize sometimes how far I am away from God at times when I consider his commands and my failure to meet those, just the standard things. Or maybe I realize how far away when I remember how hateful I was or how I talked ugly to my wife or my kids or my dog. Right? Right? You read God's word, and it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And most of us are just the opposite. And I realize how far away sometimes 
or how disgracefully I've, I've behaved in certain environments or maybe I weigh, uh, the way I treated a person. God's word leads me down that road to investigate myself and have self-awareness. And what I'm realizing, and if you want me to be real, different people have different responses to God's word. And I would hope that all, with, all of us would fall into this category. We read God's word, we, we, in the shadow of God's word, we realize where we're at and that we want to be in a better place with God. Wouldn't that be a great place for all of us to be? That we read God, that's not the way it is. Do you know some people, some people read God's word and literally go, nah, nothing wrong with me. I'm good. I, 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 I don't need it. Some people never, some people never bother to look at it because they know what they're going to find when they get there. And some people look at it and they go, you know something? Everybody else is the problem. I'm not the problem. Or they admit that they're wrong, but then they go like this. But if that person didn't make me do it, I would have never done it. I would have never stolen money from that company if that company paid me more money. They owe it to me. I take an hour and a half lunch because they owe it to me. That's a lack of integrity. Who are you when nobody else is looking? God's word will lead us down to a, a place in our lives where we'll realize, okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something else too. Change doesn't come easy. Do you know that? Change is hard. But God is faithful. I, I love this passage in 1 John. There's hope for all of us when we fall short. This is the hope part. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's intentional. We have to be intentional. Honesty is the starting point. And the third thing is this. Integrity is a never-ending process. You never stop. I love this in verse seven. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules. Now, what he's talking about learning is not like we learn multiplication tables. Once we learn them, we learn them. It's a constant, every day, wake up every morning, needing to learn the statues of God. It's every, it's, it's every day. And when it comes to integrity, it's a process for all of us. There's, it's a level playing field. Will deals with it. I deal with it. My wife deals with it. You guys deal with it. Y'all back there deal with it. Coach, you deal with it. Everybody has to deal with integrity every day. It's a process. But, but can, can I throw something out? I think sometimes we look at a process and we go, oh, that's just way too difficult. I might as well not even try it. If I asked you today, if I said, okay, we're all going to take a walk today. We're all going to leave Augusta, Georgia, and then we're going we're gonna to walk. Let's walk to California, okay? We're all going to walk to California, right? It's not real. We're not going to ask you to do that. I said, I said well, we're doing it 530 day. We're going to walk to California. No. So if I said that, it would take us, I, I think I calculated, if we did 12 hours of walking a day at a normal pace, it would take us four months to get there. Four months worth of step after 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 step. Now, how many people think that would be pretty difficult, right? Now, here's the question. What's the most important step in that whole situation? Most people don't do the first one. We all have good intentions, right? I'm going to be a person of tech. No, you've got to take the first step. So that means you're not going to put yourself tomorrow in positions to not be a person of integrity. That means the things that, the things that you've done wrong, the mistakes you've made, you're going to somehow try to make them right. If, you, if you've talked bad about somebody or you, know, you need to forgive somebody, you're going to take steps tomorrow. You're going to take that first step, and then you're going to take the next step, and then you're going to take the next step. And here's the one thing I've uh, big picture. There is no shortcuts in this whole situation. 
If I'm going to go from here to California, there is not a quick, like I can be there in two hours if I make a left-hand turn on I-20 and I go down to Birmingham and I, there's no, it's a long trip regardless, right? Here's the problem with integrity. Everybody, everybody is looking for a shortcut. You know why? Because of Pringles. You've been wondering like, what the heck's he going to do with them Pringles? Now here's the deal. I have learned a lot about, Pringle, about Pringles. I've learned a lot about God from Pringles. I've learned a lot about integrity from Pringles. Okay? There's three food groups that speak to my heart every time. Doritos, Pringles, and Captain Crunch. I just got to tell you, I've always wanted to do this. So I'm in charge today, and it's my 17th birthday here at Journey. They're good, aren't they? Sorry, I leaked a little bit. <laughs> now I'm thirsty. Because I can. So, what are these? Well, are they? See, now everybody's going to be careful, like, I don't know what they are. Are they cardboard? Yeah. Okay. So Procter & Gamble owns Pringles. Procter & Gamble in the States calls them chips, potato chips. Okay. But over in England, it's a savory snack. This is why. Because over in England, there's a taxation rate from old times on potatoes. So they put savory snacks so they can not pay the taxes. Integrity. Here's one thing, but over there it's another thing. Well, the government, because they have nothing better to do with their time, I guess, over in England, destroyed a Pringles can and reversed all their ingredients and figured actually what was in them. And what they came up with, 40% potato powder, not even real potatoes, which it's still delicious, right? Let's just be honest, right? Can I eat another one real quick? No. So this is what the government did in Britain. After deciding that they were potatoes in here, they sued for back taxes $160 million in back taxes because they put savory snack and not potatoes. They were trying to get away with something, weren't they? That's integrity. Here's the deal, though. We do the same thing. We package our situation and call it something else. Like we we package it and we say, well, here, it's it's not really anger, anger. It's just I'm very, very passionate. Right? We package it and think, well, if we make it sound good, listen, I'm not allowed to say what I want to say right now, so we'll just say it's like putting lipstick on a pig. I want to say it's like polishing something. Workaholics, which by the way is a lack of integrity. When we're cheating the people that God has put us in charge of and we're doing it in the name of just working hard, working hard, working hard. Workaholics call it, they say they're committed. They're not committed. Committed. Now I'm bringing home the, I'm committed. 
You know what the perfectionist says? We just have high expectations. Tyrants, people like, I'm just the boss. I'm just a good boss. People with temper say I'm intense. The miser claims to be frugal. The greedy man claims to just be driven. The bully, the bully, I'm just assertive. I'm just assertive. It's packaging. It's a potato chip at the end of the day. But we want to call it all kinds of other things. So here's the question I I asked you up front. When you take the mask off, and it's just you in the car or just you at the home, you call it what you want to call it. But are you a person of integrity or not? When this thing goes away, when people aren't around you checking you out and you know you need to do, do the right thing, who are you? I had, I had the greatest compliment I could possibly ever have as the pastor of this church. I had it once today and I had it once a couple of weeks ago. And one of my best friends started coming to Journey. And the first Sunday, you could tell he was a visitor. He wore a suit and tie. Yeah, it's always a dead giveaway. Now he's wearing golf shirts and, you know, it's just really like. But he said, he said, man, why, why are you coming here? This is not his style of church, okay? Pastor wearing. this is not his style of church. He, is, he, he likes to open that book up, that hymnal, and he likes to read the hymns, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's your style. This is not his. He goes, you know why I come here? I said, I'm dying to know. He said, because the guy that's on that stage every week is the same guy I play golf with. It's the same guy that I go fishing with. He said, there's no difference. He said, you're as authentic as that. You talk about hunting and you talk about fishing. You talk about your struggles. You talk about your problems. And I realized this. You know all God wants from us is authenticity. He doesn't want us putting the mask on with him. And so many of us put the mask on with him, don't we? Yeah, I'm fine. Peace out. I'm going to read my word today, my daily bread. I'm going to get in Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. I'm good. My spiritual life is fantastic. I'm going to tithe a little bit today. That's going to help me too, right, God? Like I'm going to check the boxes off. It's like putting them. Just put the mask on. Take the, take, the, take the mask off. I walk out of here. Guy walks up to me, an older guy. He's been coming to Journey for a while. Tears in his eyes. He goes, that's why I come to Journey. I'm like, why? He said, man, you stumble over your words. You can't spit them out sometimes. Sometimes you use the wrong word to make up words. I'm like, Amen. What's wrong with that? He goes, but I've fallen in love with that guy because he loves God's word and he shares it in a way we can understand it. What you see is what you get, guys. I'm trying to go through this stuff just like you guys are going through this stuff. And I think what God would have us do over the next four weeks is just take the mask off. I desire more than anything, God, and I think I'm echoing the words of so many people in this, in this room, maybe watching online, maybe down at Sherwood right now, that we want, we want to be people of integrity. I think most of us in this room want people to see our lives as transparent and authentic so they could see you somehow or another in this. So God, tomorrow... So I just said, we take one step, one step at a time. God, help me take that first step. Help help me take that first step today as I walk out of here. 
Maybe, maybe for some of us, the authenticity and the integrity test happens as soon as we walk out of this room. But, but, but here's, I got the answer to all of it. The only way I can, even, I can even line up and have a life of integrity is when I put you first in my life. Because you're the standard, not anything else. So Jesus, right now, in this moment, I give you my life. I give you the good stuff, but I am giving you the bad stuff today. The stuff that drives me away from you, that drives me away from being real. And as David said, not just in this psalm, but in other psalms, search me, God. God, search me for the areas of my life that I don't represent you, that I need to be more like you. Because I want to make you famous, and I want to make you happy. I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.